right, here's a period question for you. Right. Random, random stuff to talk about. So you know how we have whiskey, and it's aged in barrels, and it imparts certain flavors? Sure. And I got to thinking, in the olden days, olden days, yep. uh, beer was stored and transported in wooden casts. Yeah. Did that have any effect on the flavor? Sure. Absolutely. You think there's a market for some hipster to come up and say, we're going we're gonna to wood barrel all our beers and make that a thing? I don't quite understand the question, but... Or maybe you as a home brewer? Well, think of, we were talking about IPA earlier, right? I mean, IPA yeah. was shipped in barrels from... Burton yeah, but now it's all, to, all uh, these India. super sealed kegs and everything. No, no. I mean, <clears throat> the, the beer you're drinking is barrel-aged. Oh, yeah, it? that one is, yeah. yeah. So, in oak, usually they're used um, like bourbon barrels. I'm just talking about the... Yeah, I mean, these are specifically done that way to impart the whiskey flavors out of it. Yeah. Or bourbon flavors or whatever they're trying to accomplish out of it. But just standard lagers and IPAs and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. That was a random, no, random I mean, shower in, thought. Right. I mean... Unless they're, I mean, if you if you barrel age, it's because you're going for that barrel flavor or a whiskey flavor or a whatever. I just wonder how close we can come to an old recipe, beard recipe without sticking it in a, in a beer in a wooden barrel. There are, um, I mean, there are definitely breweries that do that. Some of these, like le, like legit English style, as an example, just breweries. I mean, that that do um, like they they pour Get your off beer a, out of wood and serve warm. Have you ever had a? It's, well, it's not not necessarily warm. <laughs> But probably mid fifties. That's good temperature anyway. But no, have you ever had beer served like from a like a English like a beer engine on cask? No, I don't think so. They call it, and I mean in England they they like to call it real ale. So there's a whole like I think it's like decades old now. But there's this something called Camera. I think it's Camera campaign for something real ale, mm. and it's it's just all about preserving that tradition of what they call real ale, just like this. Yeah, but it's like barrel, you know, barrel stored beer, and it's got to be a cask. They call it cask, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's shipped to the pub, like really fresh, and it doesn't stay good very long. So they've got it, and, right. it's, and it's, yeah. in fact, as soon as they tap it, because that beer engine, they're 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 it's a it's a hand pump. It's not pumping. I think in a lot of cases, it's not pumping CO two. It's just it's just replacing the keg space with air. Mm-hmm. So it that beer, you know, it's good for a couple of days after that. I don't know. Some of them might do CO2. Now, I don't know if that makes it not real ale. If they're backfilling it with CO2 as they empty the keg, I'm not sure. But. Well, I did read that about the barrels. They didn't last long. You put it, it, you transport it, and you drink it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why, like IPA, that's how it became known, supposedly, as the fable goes or whatever, as uh, the reason they, or they, they ended up hopping it a lot more because hops are a, what's the word, antimicrobial or whatever. Mm. And so they needed extra antimicrobial to make that trip, you know, all the way to India, and ended up being a hoppy beer because of that. So that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, anyway. there you go. Some history. Did I talk about my uh, my update on this API request limit that I was dealing with? What was the limit? Remind me. So, okay, so it's basically how many API requests you can make in 24 hours, and it's a roll. It's like a rolling 24 hours. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were hitting that. How are you hitting well, that? So I don't think I, I don't think I did an update on it. So uh, okay. So I knew I was going to potentially come up against this, and it's because um, I was essentially launching an integration. But as a part of the integration, the f- the first phase of it was to do an initial like full sync between these systems. Right. And because I, I, my options were REST API or Bulk API, and the ongoing integration can't use the Bulk API. It's got to use the 
but because the bulk API, you know, it's all, it's like you use it for like lots of records of one type. <clears throat> and the way this integration works, it's it's real time. So as like someone creates a, a contact, then maybe a phone a record or whatever. And so each record has to be processed independently because the record right after it probably depends on the one right before it. Right. So you can't just like collect up a bunch of contacts and then send those to the bulk API and then collect up a bunch of accounts and send those because they're, they're going to be all out of order and you're, you're going to have, there's, dependent, there's dependencies between all those records. So they've got to come in, in the right. interleave in the same order they were created, right? And right. so you can't really use the bulk API for that. Well, I mean, you can, but you have to manage the order of operations yourself. Well, I mean, I'd be sending one record at a time through the bulk API. <laughs> I'd be making a CSV file with one record and sending that through the bulk API. Oh, because it's is all real time. Yeah, it's real time, exactly. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Now, for this first phase, which is like the full sync, I did use the bulk API. So I basically like collected, and I I did it in like in hierarchical order of the objects. So like. Just as an example, like, you know, all the accounts first, mm -hmm. and then all the contacts. But that took days to do that initial sync. And in that period of time, yeah, I mean, lots of data. Days even with bulk. Even with bulk API, yeah. Wow. And in that period of time, because after we did that initial sync, which took days, then you have to do it like the delta. And I mean, you have to let yeah, the integration get right. They and never so work out very well. It actually worked fine, except that I hit this API limit. So for the Delta, basically we, we knew like, let's say on Monday we started this full sync and then by Wednesday it was done. So we knew that when once we start the normal integration that we we started from Monday. It, it actually, we were just got collect, we were just, we were collecting all that data, kind of piling up and it's all the changes that happened, the Delta stuff. Mm -hmm. We kept that all in a queue. And then I'll just let the normal integration process to that queue. But, but, but because it was the normal integration and it was just using the REST API and each record, and I was using the composite batch just for efficiency, but remember I learned that when you send a batch of, it's up to 25, but each- Each one still counts. Each one yeah. counts as a separate API call. And it, it does fire in its own transaction. I mean, each, which- It makes sense. I wish sense. it didn't. I mean, because that's not what I want. I want, I want. I want more like the semantics of like the SOAP API, which you can send like 200 records, mm -hmm. and they all happen in the same transaction. I don't want. I don't need separate transactions for those. Well, you do. No, I don't. From a processing. No, well, I would even like with the, SOAP. You can only send 200 of the same type. You can't send. Mixed, I know. Yeah, mixed you can't send mix. Yeah. And that's the difference. Because <clears throat> yeah, so, essentially, once right. you commit your but, record or attempt to commit your record, that's when all the automation and workflow and everything else fires, and it, it has to have its own transaction. And that's why I didn't even look at doing the SOAP. I could have, I could have looked at using the SOAP API, but I, then it's I realized I realized that it wouldn't yeah. have gotten me anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so now I'm back to like I've got, I think I had probably two or three hundred thousand records that had piled up as a part of this delta load. And this particular org could do, I think it was 90,000 API requests a day. And I hit that within like two hours. <laughs> Rick's very engaged and enthralled with this conversation. <clears throat> yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> Is that what you call it now, coding? <laughs> hey, Lego's coding, apparently. Um. Uh, I would if I knew what I wanted. What do you got? Oh, you should have prepared. This is good. What is it? You can get, get one of these. The stone. The stone? Yeah. I have a tab. Just tell her it's on John. <clears throat> it's on John. I have a tab. It's on John. I like those words. It's on John. Yeah. My favorite three words. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yeah, so, you know, we I hit that. 
API limit pretty, I mean, it would, I don't know if it was a few hours. It was, it was probably, I don't know how long it was. It was less than a day though. And so what, the, what is the update then? Cause I just, I, I am starting to remember this conversation. You, yeah. you hit the limits. So I just, so I, it just took us several days to get, for it to get caught up. So you just had to just let it. I had it. I just I, pause it. Let it. Let it recover. So it, and then go. So the integration actually hits the limit API and checks at like every like every well. Well, you can't check because that's hitting the. That's, I, that's I, the limit. I, I, no, 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 do you get charged for that? Calling the limit API to see. I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> that counts as a request. Ah, you can't win, man. <clears throat> Although it's not supposed to automatically kick you off once you hit the limit. I thought it was supposed to be kind of a soft. So I thought of, it was, a, I thought it, because I don't think I've ever actually hit this limit before. Yeah. Um, and I nice. thought it was, I assumed it was a soft limit because like the the storage limit is a soft limit. It's one of those things like, it's it's kind of like the honor system. Yeah. And, and you know that if you go way over storage for more than a couple of months, like you're yeah, going to get, gonna get a report. Yeah, you're, gonna give you exactly. A call. And you're going to get a call and say, hey, you know, either back off or let us, you know, we need to invoice you for the for what you're using. And this is not the case with the API limit. It just immediately stops. Everything stops. And, and also, like, you know, if people have, like, out their Outlook sync or anything else. Yeah, that all counts. It all stops. Yeah. You know, it's everything stops working. Limits. I'm like, this is, I don't think that should be a hard limit. I think that should be soft. Well, it sucks because everything is API-driven limit. Er, words ran together. Everything is driven by the API now. Your your uh, platform events, your query requests, your... It, Outlook integrations, all that's API stuff, so it's all counting. Yeah, I mean, no, your, your org just stops. Now, I mean, I, I've only hit it a few times, and that was back in the early days when I was doing some crazy stuff, trying to load a ton of data, and I was spawning off, like, multiple threads trying to do it. Yeah. Um, well, that's a bad idea. One, because of the limits, and two, because Salesforce has tools that will kick you off if, if you're doing too much. Yeah. It, it somehow recognizes that there's multiple threads against, or multiple things running across this one IP or something, and it just starts kicking them off. And also, and it was you're, random you're probably using I, the same user this, account too, right? I had this little interface, and it would kind of show me all the different threads that I had running, and I would see randomly one pop off, and I would, I would have some auto-recovery. It would get back on, and then another one would start popping off, and it was just this random thing. didn't matter what order they were using starting. the same user account? Yeah. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's part of probably, they probably have some heuristics they're looking at. You know, do you have multiple session IDs per user account? Which is actually totally valid because you might have your again your Outlook sync and your your phone is use, it's got a session and your browser's got a session. Um, but yeah, when it gets, I don't know, there's some kind of threshold you hit because I've I've done like data loads where I'm logged in two or three times, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, it, it works fine. I did get a phone call. I once, think I found that three like was the 10 magic years ago. Number. Three was fine. It was when I got up to four or five when it started popping off. Really? Yeah. I don't know if this is before they were had limits implemented well, but I, I got a phone call. Uh, this is probably back like in did you? 2005, <laughs> 2006. As the admin or as the user? Uh, it was. Uh, it was my. I, they must have gotten my phone number from my user record. Because they called and they were like, "Yeah, hi. Uh, what are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, trying to get work done. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's moral of the story is API request limit is a hard limit, so obey it. Or or nothing. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but we just we kind of just throttled it back and it took a few days to get caught up. So but now it's how fine. many records was it? A few, like in the delta? Yeah. A few hundred thousand. Jeez. Two hundred thousand. You're hitting limits. Well, the reg- my limit was ninety thousand a day. 
so that's doing one off and it's, and it's one limit it's one api call per record is what they charge you even though i'm sending 25 records at a time and so i can basically load ninety thousand records a day this is a small org though um i don't know how many i don't know how many it's weird calculating the have. limits. It, I think it's based on how many users active well, or user licenses. There's you a have. base limit, and then there's there's per user limits, and then there's some other things that factor in that bump your limits up as well. I think having certain licenses enabled or something does it as well. Yeah, it's just it's but, tough to. It's it's better just to ask Salesforce what's what's my limit. Yeah, and I could have I thought of actually calling their account manager and just say hey can we get can we bump this up to like just for a few days bump it up to like 500k or something i could have but i we also it was was not a big deal for just business wise to let this throttle or just kind of slow slow roll it for a few days that that was fine yeah anyway um so there's a news thing which i thought was interesting actually it's not all that interesting but it's this well so it's microsoft teams and i keep hearing more about microsoft teams but I've, i've never used it you know, you know what it reminds me of, though? I immediately think of this Slack for business. Not Slack for business. Sorry, Skype for business, which is an utter disaster. <laughs> and I, and I, when I, anytime someone talks about Teams, I immediately think of that. I, I guess I'm just because it's all, both Microsoft. But I think a lot of times people are just using the tools they have access to. If they're a Microsoft shop, then they're using Skype, and they're using Teams, and they're using the Skype, ver- or the Skype version of Slack. And as much as I have complaints about Slack, I mean, it actually, it's got a lot of good features. And, and you know, when certain... Uh, people say, well, why can't we just use a uh, zoom chat? Why do we need Slack? You know? And I, and that's what makes that's when you start realizing like, well, it's, it's all the little things that make a communication tool really important. Um, the way that you can like permalink to any message, the way, I mean, just the subtle things on how threading works and how, um, snoozing works and, and, and being able to really finally set your notifications so you can have a life balance and all that, you know, just, there's just so many things. I mean, the way snippets and just, you know, there's like so many features that when you, when you really, if you sat down and listen to them all, you'd be like, oh my God, this is like a daunting list of features that you have to nail or yep. people will hate your tool. Well, not to mention... Because people, already, people already complain about Slack all the time and they get so much of this right. Yeah. And Zoom doesn't even come close. Don't, you know, yeah. right tool for the job, right? I mean, that's what, that's our, that's the mantra. Well, there's only so many features they can support on a local web host <laughs> interface. Are you, are you talking about the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, trying to. Trying to stick it in there. Yeah. So that was uh, for people who <clears throat> didn't hear about that. So I guess Zoom... Uh, Apple put some limit. I think it was for Safari. It's a Safari browser where if you clicked on a Zoom link, they were no lo- Safari would no longer allow it to launch Zoom. Right. Something like that. And I don't know why. I think they're just trying to add in security. Because but. isn't that just custom protocol like handlers? I mean, like that... that Oh, is a core part of OS or Mac OS. Anyway, Zoom was doing something weird that, and so, you know, it didn't work anymore. And so, what the way Zoom went, got around it was. And by the way, one thing you have to remember about Zoom, I do like Zoom, and it's as far as I can tell, at least last time I checked. I mean, especially for the money and everything, it is really like I think it's the best one out there. But it's a this is a I don't know if it's a Chinese company, but like all the engineering is is Chinese, as in in China. Not, not as in like they, I don't know, it's like plays Chinese music or anything. So, I mean, so you're saying to them it was norm to kind of implement this? Well, it's, it's is it is it a yeah is it a cultural thing where they thought that was okay? So what they did was they, no more so that they're used to dealing with getting around. Yeah, arcane, I mean that's that's part of the, no, that's part of their culture is just having they're they're just used to having to get around yeah. stuff and 
to subvert systems, whether it's their own domestic systems or international ones or whatever. But they, so what they did was, at least on Macs, Zoom installed a local web browser. Uh, no, a web no. server. I'm sorry, web, web server. server. Right, right. Using the wrong words here. Yeah. A local web server that somehow got around that limitation that Apple put in Safari. Yeah. And of course, Apple responds by basically disabling Zoom almost, right? It, like, it stopped yeah. it from working and then, I don't know. I, I mean, it still works fine for me, so I'm not sure what they, it's, things are still working, so I don't know what, I don't know what Zoom ultimately ended up doing to get to fix it, but it's fine. I'm not, I'm not having a problem. I never noticed anything. If I hadn't read the yeah. news article, I would have never known. <laughs> I wouldn't have either. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, so what Microsoft announced is now they have 13 million, there's 13 million active daily users for Team, whereas Slack is supposedly 10 million. And I think Slack's number is weekly active users. And I think it was Ars Technica reported that if you measured Microsoft Teams by weekly users, it's actually 19 million, which is almost double Slack. And I'm like, really? holy crap! This came out of nowhere. Hmm. And I, I mean, I'm, so I'm thinking either either Microsoft just found a way to like, to, well, they could to be foist this upon everyone, and no. it kind of force you to because Microsoft's good no. at forcing things on people. No. I mean, they have that kind of power with a lot of organizations. Or These are active it's a user really numbers? good 19 million active weekly. So they at least once a week are using it. Someone logged in. Yes. I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to trying to understand. And, and so, this is one of those no, five million no. five billion developer so, numbers. So Slack's weekly active user number is ten million. Teams' active weekly user number is nineteen million. So yeah, they just logged in and you know did something. But I mean that could happen. I mean, if you have all your tools integrated and you're using your account as authentication, and it becomes the central hub for I know, some I'm, kind of. But I'm saying by the same metric, the same the, the same the same metric. Teams is 19 million. Slack is 10 million. I still think Slack wins. I'm not saying it doesn't. I, I don't know. And what do you, what do you mean win by what? By how? Because Slack in, is, is an isolated product. You have to actively go in and, and start it up and integrate with it. Yeah. Now, Microsoft, traditionally, when they create their suites and their applications, they like to couple these things together to where you sure. do one thing in one yeah. and it causes an, an interaction with another and... That's using your account, so technically you are logging it's in. It's called Maybe an every, integrated experience, Every, every time John. you type, type a document and share it, that creates yeah, a message right. that goes through that system. O-Lily embedding, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, what was it we tried to do? Active it was, it was project. Remember oh, when we did God. that? They had this whole project management suite, and we thought we were going to implement this. It ended up being this, this mishmash Disaster. of all these different things, and you had to have like, this server to kind of link it all together, and all it did was just kind of push and pull data yeah. between all these different applications. It wasn't... And if you want to use it in your browser, it was a big ActiveX plugin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a pain in the ass. But no, I just I was just surprised how far Teams has come, at least adoption wise. I I wouldn't mind looking at it. I don't know if does it run on a Mac. Should I mean, dude, it's it is weird how cross platform Microsoft is getting, especially now that with this, what's their um, the subsystem for Linux, like the version two or whatever, is mm -hmm. supposedly. It's not going through like the translation layer anymore. It's like I don't know if it's like a direct port or if it's running in a V. It might be running in like a little hypervisor, but it's supposedly it's way better because initially like the WSL was um, it, it was it was fine. Like I mean, it supported like I think full bash and everything and everything, but it was slow because it was running through an interpreting layer. Yeah, um, and supposedly this this new one does not. Anyway, I can keep going, John. Nope. But I know we have uh, we have some community topics. We have two, to at least two. We have, you said we had a review. 
Do you have a review? You want to do the review first? Let me let me cover one more thing, real quick, and then we can and then you can run the show from but here. You can't stop talking. I know I can't. I, I dominate. I always dominate. Is that surprising? No. No. <laughs> no. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm making up for it. <laughs> if there's dead air, he just got to fill it. I do. I, the show must go on, and I'm like. You know. But not just on when a mic's in front of you in general. That's you know. true. I'm, an, I'm, a, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm a blabbermouth. I don't get to hang out with you socially as much. This is my social area. It's because you don't get out of your house. My house is a mess is what it Wait, is. You should get out of it then, right? <laughs> oh, did I tell you I, I, I coached my son? I've, I've been coaching my son's basketball team. Oh, really? No, yeah, you didn't tell me that. Because the coach is out on vacation, and so I volunteered. You showed him how to dunk? Dude, this is the hardest thing ever to do. <laughs> It's much easier being a parent sitting in the sidelines than sure. it is to be the damn coach. Sure. These kids, they won't listen. They, <laughs> you're trying to give them guidance. So the, my first time with them was at a game. So I, I started coaching them at a game. I didn't even get the chance to practice. Some of them, I didn't even know their names. <laughs> so I, I tried to hey learn you. their names right hey before you. the game. <laughs> no, I learned their Shorty. names before the game. <laughs> tried to get them warmed up and play. They're like second graders. First and second graders, it's a really young age group, and they're easily distracted. You know, squirrel moments. They're yeah. just off over there, so crawling them, doing doing that thing, um, trying to get, make sure everyone played and everything. Just managing that, it was just juggling so many balls. It was crazy. But then practice came, and I thought, okay, this is my chance to kind of teach them and guide them. It was more about just trying to get them into one spot to listen to me or to run a drill or something. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I have, I've, I've always respected the coaches. But, uh, yeah, far more deeper respect now. Because well, and I know you're not one of those parents that sits on the sideline and, and like, yells at the coach and stuff and the refs and everything. Oh, no. But imagine, I mean, if you take one of those kind of parents and just have them coach for a day, they can see how. They should. That's what they should do. Yeah, yeah. they should. There's some parents that are, that are coaching from the sidelines, and those guys need to. I've, I've been I've, – I've actually said things to those people. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is a rec do. league. Yeah. Uh, go sit down. These are kids. Stop exactly. running up down the sideline, giving directions. Go sit down. Yeah. Not those words. It's not going to affect your life any one, any way or the other if your kid doesn't win this game. There's, there's no scouts here waiting, waiting to get them into the NFL or soccer league or whatever. <laughs> All right. So this came up in Slack, and I, I'm just, I, I've. Um, by the way, uh, when I say our Slack, it, it's it's the Good Day Sir community Slack. And be ready for the promo. listener. If you are, if you have not joined the Slack yet, you should check it out. You really should. Uh, it's a uh, we talk about stuff like this, you know, and we uh, we help each other and and provide uh, ther- therapy. Uh, but the way you join is you go to gooddayserpodcast.com, you click on community, put in your email address, and uh, John will manually point and click. He will use his point and click skills, his declarative skills, yep. to <laughs> to add you to our Slack community. I do need to improve that process, or at least sends a confirmation email, because there are a few people that do it twice, yeah. two or three uh, times. Okay. Uh, and not, not that they hit the button twice, but you'll see like an hour go by or two hours, and they do it again. Hmm. So, Can you I, write a process builder to automate that, John? Um, unfortunately, this is not on the Salesforce platform. <laughs> this is on a separate platform. And it so doesn't exist. Those features it's, it's cost dead, money. It's dead to me. Those features cost money, and I'm already in the red on this thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> already? We've, we've been in the red for... Since we started <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> oh, that's something we do. Four years and counting in the red. We, we fake complain about, about things. We're going to be the fastest to zero. Yeah. <laughs> Though we'd have, to, we'd have to start making money to get up to zero. We get back to zero. Hey, I'm doing the one, 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 one model. It's all profit. No, it's negative one, negative one, negative one. No, it's, it's one, one, as soon as we make profit. Okay. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We'll start donating. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
anyway, so, uh, you know, I learned a lot of these things about the metadata API um, when I was working uh, more on projects that were these giant, um, ongoing... Yeah, because you're the crazy one that would download all the metadata that you could. And, and it's attempt, not crazy. It's because it was manage that. It was the best. It was the best way once. to do it. I mean, um, and I and I, I always say all. It was almost all. There were certain things uh, because simply no, like simply because some things, things like didn't that, work. Yeah. No, oh, reports were definitely included. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, even reports, you know, all the permission stuff, profiles, permission sets. That's all got to got to be in it. I mean, well, I agree with that. But reports are kind of they're kind of their own thing. They're kind of ugly and messy and. Uh, so we had the way um, in a couple of projects that I um, used to work on these these really huge orgs where lots of you know many de- multiple developers multiple admins you know weekly deployments all that kind of stuff um, we had certain folders that were basically you don't um, they're kind of like read only folders fr- from a production perspective like we would publish reports into these folders and. So you didn't report templates or just no no immutable reports. reports or something. It's immutable, or, yeah. Like yeah. don't if you want to add your custom reports, don't add them in these folders. Right. And so, and it's just so that we could deploy, you know, all these pre-baked reports, and they would go into folders that you can't that are read only, and then users could create their own folders with reports, and we wouldn't clobber them. We oh know. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just reminded me because. You know, there was uh, you know, an issue someone brought up in Slack, and someone responded, someone who knows what they're talking about, and said that, and just reminded me, they said, you know, first of all, um, be careful when you do the all metadata thing, because there's still a lot of metadata API that's simply retrieving it, simply retrieving the metadata, GAX. Modifies GAX. No, GAX. Really? Retrieving, yes. I'm not, I actually don't remember that, so I wonder if that's new. But what I do remember is that the problem is, is there's a lot of metadata that... You can pull it down, you can retrieve it, and just simply deploying back that same metadata the org it came from will will fail. And not to mention deploying it to like a new org, like a, a, a sandbox or something that you're working mm-hmm. in. And they really just, they've got to fix this. I mean, if they're going to make good on any any of their promises about the meta, the world's best metadata-driven platform and all this crap, they've, they've got to, they've really, that's such an important area. And I know it doesn't help sell it doesn't help. It doesn't raise your stock, but it helps at a at a undercurrent level where a lot of these power users that are getting shit done for their companies are operating, and that will, in a true, I, I really think at a fundamental, like true level, will help their business because they're going to be truly helping all their customers. If, well, it, they, they've got to. They've got to ferret out all those problems with the metadata API and all these teams. And I know it's like, and I don't. I'm not necessarily like laying blame at the metadata API team, yeah. Because that team is like, it's like a set of plugins. Like every every feature, every feature team, they have to operate within the meta. They they, they come to the metadata API team and they and the metadata API team says, okay, you've got to implement this API for your feature. And so the metadata API team is dependent on all these other feature teams. To implement their API correctly, they implement their metadata correctly, or at least just include it. There are a lot of features that just aren't in there. Uh, that's that's true. Getting it in there is one thing, but getting it in there correctly is a whole other thing, right? And they just they've got. But to, imagine the anxiety of having a you come up with this new feature. You're not even sure how, if it's fully baked yet or yeah. not. It's beta, and you need to include it in the metadata. But the problem is, is like imagine taking the argument that I'm trying to make right now to the to like the. I mean, to either an executive level 
when they have the meetings about what are the priorities going to be for this quarter, this year, whatever, or like the kind of the product feature steering committee or wh- whatever, who, you know, the VP of product or whatever the hell it is. I mean, and, and it's, it's an argument that's, it's, it's, um, it's nuanced and it's, you have to understand the. you really have to have empathy for the problem. And it's, and it's not that, it's not just empathy though. It's it's even if you just take it from a selfish perspective of Salesforce. Like I really think that if they fix this, it it is a, it's really kind of a game changer for because right now it's still just a massively limiting factor. I think. Yeah, and I think that's why certain people are really aggressive about getting tickets logged for things like that and getting stories. You know, hey, tell me what what you did, replicate it. Can you put this somewhere? Can you log this here? Is yeah. because. That's how they're able no. to kind of get some traction. Off. They're I, I able stopped. to kind of come to the table and say, hey, he, yes, people are asking for this. Yeah, I stopped trying because... It's not just Jeremy asking you know, for this. It, There's other people. First of all, the, the, these bugs are really subtle. And imagine getting through, when you log a case, getting through support. I mean, they just the first thing they're going to tell you is, oh, we don't, you know, this is a developer issue. We don't do that. You know, post on the forums. I mean, that's... And, and you know, maybe you have Premier support, but I mean, that doesn't... It's not that much different. It's not that much different. It's yet. just a quicker response, supposedly, or whatever. Anyway, I'm, you know, again, I think that's, I don't know what else to say. I think it's important that they they address that. And, and, and I mean, I think they are. I mean, they've got the new I, packaging I, I, tools coming out, and that's very dependent. Is that, Unfortunately, they, it's still but, very dependent on the, the and, metadata. And are yeah. they just paving over the problem, though? I mean, yes, yeah. they're coming out with new stuff. Is it, Are they still fixing these? I, I don't, and I don't know. I mean, know. they're fixing the mechanism of transporting that, that information from one place to another, but it's still reliant on gathering that information from the metadata API. I mean, I, remember, yeah, I was, I was is, doing right. research and looking up something, and there was a feature that I was looking for because I wanted to be able to turn on debug. I think it was debug. It was either debug or turn. It was the performance caching. I want to turn off performance caching okay. in all my scratch orgs. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll just add that to my my uh, scratch org build or package XML, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And it turns out it's not there, and it's because it's not in the metadata API. There's like a webinar that talks about that where they actually go through and create all their scratch orgs. It's actually the that's one of my topics, Falcon uh, framework. And um, that's where they mentioned that they had to go in and do something manual because it wasn't in the API. Hmm. And it, it was something they were going to add, and maybe it is added now, but at the time it wasn't. Falcon? What's that? So, <laughs> reach for the skies, fly, Falcon. Eats your rats. Okay. No, it's a... It's a it, it's a loose, loose framework. It's, it, I wouldn't even call it a framework, but it's, it's an opinion on your folder structure for DX, essentially. Hmm. Um, so they gave you this kind of base template format. You can download it on Git. And I've actually been looking at it because I've been looking for input. Download on, it on Git. Clone <laughs> it from Git. Pull it from Git. Whatever you want to call uh, you it. Sound like, you sound like my dad trying to describe this. <laughs> I am 41 now. About to be 42, I think. Uh, that's no excuse. I'm an old man. <clears throat> I don't, even, I don't even get carded anymore. That sucks. I remember getting carded. I'd be so offended. I'm like, God damn it, I'm 21. You know what? If you want to get and carded. And now I'm like carded. I'm like, thank you. Just go to thank Colorado. You, Colorado yeah. cards. Everyone, everywhere. It's ridiculous. Which is weird because in many ways they have such more liberal alcohol laws than we do in Texas. We still have a lot of blue laws. Really dumb rules. And they, they just, they don't have those dumb rules, but they do card the crap out of you everywhere. Maybe just because everything's so accessible. I'm like, I'm like, like do you still see these gray hairs? Do. Like, do I look like I'm not 21? Come on, <laughs> it's ridiculous. No. I'm more. I'm double that. I'm double that. Maybe anyway. you shave the beard, you'll get a little baby face going. 
down it. Just this but no, fat, it, fat guy face, double chin face. Yeah, so <laughs> so now that I'm in charge of a package and, and I am technically, not technically. What am I saying? I'm an ISP now. You know what? Every, anytime <laughs> someone says technically, it actually just means I always translate to actually or legally. Like they're like, well, technically I broke the law. No, you actually legally broke the law. It's not. <laughs> there's nothing technical about it. I, I think it's just it's it's an odd transition for me to be on this side of the fence. I can't wait till we get to have conversations about uh, all this stuff. You're, oh, I'm learning a lot. I know. I just I'm covering a lot and I'm learning a lot. But yeah. we got to get our um, again. I, and I want to wait until you've gotten enough exposure to this stuff. But I do want to do our like our ISV slash packaging show when we're gonna have a special guest on. Yeah, and I don't think that's gonna happen this summer. But uh, it'll, it'll what ha- this not this summer? No, really. I there's a lot for me to get into. There's there's packaging, there's packaging two, there's uh, license management, there's um, feature management. I'm just talking about basic stuff, like I'll just, I don't know. I mean, our special guest, this, they just have. I mean, the, the, this there's person all the has basic of, stuff, which is which falls yeah. in line of best practices and how you construct your 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 system and how you manage your queries and your your field level security and all that kind of stuff that I'm starting to get into and trying to understand, not trying to understand, but trying to understand why the current code is the way it is. I think it was an attempt to oh, mitigate wow. some of that, but it was not done you're just dealing with You're just dealing with classic... Um, no, The no. typical thing where you walk in, you got a bunch of legacy code, and well, you know, some, of it's, some of it's built okay, but a lot of it's really poorly engineered because of just so many people that have come and gone and, you know... No, I don't even think that. Not with this case, because this, this part iteration of the application technically is a almost a rewrite. It was, it was purposely built for this generation, lightning support. Um, so there was, there was this full-fledged opinion in it. I can see the opinion, and it's just the wrong opinion. Yeah. Everything from the UI to the back end to how it manages permissions to how it manages queries, how it manages abstractions, it's all, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good use case, study. I don't know. Oh, uh, what are they called? Case study. Case study. It's a good case study on, on, on just, and I don't. I, I want to say inexperienced because I don't want to be rude and I don't want to throw people under the bus. But no one knows who these people are. You don't. You don't even know who they are. <laughs> well, for the most part. <laughs> but I mean, I, I've made mistakes in the past. I've gotten pretty aggressive with my abstraction yeah. layers and everything, and gotten and really just kind of did things that didn't make sense just for the sake of having any abstraction because yeah. I. Thought at the time Again, it was, is there, it was it, the perfect. But thing I'll to keep do. going back to: you. Is there any excuse for like a ten thousand line JavaScript file? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the way Salesforce makes you do things, yes. <laughs> and I don't. You I'm, have your controller and your helper. And there's no way to 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 import many, modules not or many anything. Good way. I mean, with Aura? I think Web Components solves for that, but Aura as a framework did not. Well, from what I saw in what you're dealing with, um, that still wasn't excused. That, that still could have been factored into other components and things better. Well, they did a lot of things wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a lot of opportunity to improve the status quo, John? I do, and I'm kind of excited about that opportunity. I, I kind of, I kind of like getting in and digging into this kind of stuff and kind of making it my own. So that's what, exactly what I'm going to do. One of the things I, I am thinking about doing, and the reason I wanted, I was looking at Falcon is because I really want to understand an opinion, someone else's opinion on how they would, would structure that project because I have my own ideas. Their their kind of methodology around is that you have your core, which is your default. So. You actually implemented the default pattern, which is pretty much implemented. There. I just left it there. You just left it there. Yeah, that's that was comes by default. Okay, so you have your namespace. Well, you have your project, then you have your namespace, and then within that, you have your default. That, that's that's simply pretty much a, represents that's, your. That's that's just simply a 
Well, hold on. Fold that, a, on disk structure. So Falcon's opinion is representative of the future. It's, it's built that way in preparation for packaging too. So default ends up being your core application. That's your core. Any other folder structure you have implemented that is supposed to represent your features, in which case you would be able to use feature management to kind of enable those in this whole that's, packaging I feel like even I mean, I don't know. I have to look into this, but I feel like that's, uh, that's already overly prescriptive. That's like if, if Java or .NET had like, instead of just having, like you just have arbitrary packages or like what's .NET called namespaces, mm-hmm. like they, they implement like, oh, well you put your, you create a namespace for each feature or whatever. Like they don't tell you how to use namespaces, how to use packages. They just say, here is this tool, use it. I, we're not going to tell you how to use it because we don't know what you're building. And there's going to be, we're going to let a thousand flowers bloom and or whatever this term is and figure out like which one, which way is the best. They don't, you know. There's an element to this. It's just, this is an opinionated version of that. So you can structure it however you want. You can say that, that everything outside of your default is a feature or a package or a module or a namespace. It's not going to be functionally a namespace, but it, you can represent it however you want. But you can already, it's so just you, an you can take that. On how what, you can do it. So everything lands in d- that default folder by by default, by default, <laughs> and you can you can move things around. Yeah, it just but it doesn't like semantically or runtime. It has no runtime effects whatsoever. Correct. It just is like puts it in a different place in your hard drive. Yeah, which which is helpful to a degree, but it's 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 pretty minor. It's a pretty minor feature though. <laughs> well, here's what I'm thinking about doing, and what I'm thinking about using that for is is actually moving everything out of default and into a legacy folder. Because what I want to yeah. do is I want to pick stuff out of it so that I know what I've touched and what no, I haven't. No, no, here's your two folders. My code, not my code. <laughs> That's perfect. That's exactly what I have to do. <laughs> but yeah, this is essentially what I want to do is I want to be able to move this stuff and say, this is my code, this is not my code, because I need to know what I've touched and what I haven't. Because honestly, every part of it was built with this single-minded opinion of how the application should be structured. And so all the bad practices that were implemented are littered everywhere. And there's really no way for me to unplug it other than to rewrite it. But I don't want to just rewrite what's there. No. I yeah. want to build and improve on it. Yeah. And so I need to essentially kind of treat that as it exists, allow it to exist because I need to, of course, support it and bug fix it. But I also need to start creating a new area where I can start building new stuff. And this whole trash it and start building a new app thing is just not a good idea. No, it, it they it's, hardly it's, ever works. It never works out. It's, it's better to kind of Very continually rarely. improve on what you have. Yeah build on it, maintain it, and just start to replace and deprecate where you need to. So that's my plan, that's my strategy. And that's why I was kind of looking at, you know, what have other people done with folder structures and DX? You know, is there, any, is there anything I can learn from it? And there's a few things I learned from it, you know, like maybe isolating my dev tools and keeping that out of, you know, using ignores and things like that to kind of keep it out of repositories. Maybe put it in repositories, because I want everyone to use it. Um, some. They're, they have some pre-built scripts for creating scratch orgs and, and pushing things and pulling things, and there's some opinions on using Circle CI and things like that. Um, they also kind of have some placeholders for, for things you might use for um, JavaScript, JavaScript uh, framework testing, like Jasmine or something like yeah. that. Um, it even included Selenium, which I'm like, there's no good way to do Selenium with Salesforce or Lightning. Um, I- I think you, I think you can. No, everything changes every time. Have you ever tried using the inspection tool and, and have it had it? I, I, I've never gotten the inspection tool to work to where I wanted it to return my. So what you can do is you can, in the inspection tool, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can install the Lightning kind of inspector plugin. I I find that to be almost useless. No, it's useful. No, you can't even copy and paste like on from it. Like, oh, you want a tip on that? Sure, I'll take your tip. <laughs> right cl- or yeah, right click, 
and do an inspect because it's just HTML. <laughs> oh God! Inspect. So it. you have to inspect your inspe- inspect the inspector, <laughs> and then you can get to the underlying data and you can copy and paste. They make a movie about this. That's my, that's my tip of the day. Yeah. It'll ever uh, trust me. When I found that out, I was like, I didn't know that. I'm I was just, so happy. Yeah, because yeah, I just end up not using that Lightning inspector, and I just use the normal Chrome tools. Yeah, no, do that. It'll 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 make your life easier. But well, we should uh, since we're drinking the same beer, we should mention what we're drinking. Not that this is our first beer, but. Uh, it's good. It's it's by Stone, who have uh, had a had had rough times in the past couple of years. They're have ha- they? trying to yeah, they're trying I to deal with this this kind of whole the, the highfalutin rare they are. They are. rare crowd. But beer they are. I mean, they were they were the you know the big West Coast IPA, super you know what was it arrogant bastard yeah. and all this really aggressive you know very hoppy but also very bitter, and they had a good run right. But then they. I mean, once the the hazy IPA thing started and all these other things, they just they they didn't really adapt, and they really they kind of. I mean, I think they're about half of their volume they were like three or four years ago. They lost their brewer, Mitch. Uh, was it Mitch Steele? Was he Stone? He's gone. He East Coast somewhere started a new brewery. But anyway, this is a Stone by Stone Brewing. Um, it's called the Agro Agronomist. But the reason I ordered this because I saw that in addition to Citra and HBC 6092, which is a new hop that, whatever, doesn't even have a name yet, it has this new hop called Sabro, or Sabro, I don't know how you say it. A new hop, huh? Yeah, which is, genetically which is supposedly hop. has like a coconut flavor to it. And I totally taste, I taste it on this. And most of the Sabro, I've had like, I've had some beers that were 100% Sabro. So I wasn't getting coconut, but now I'm going to get coconut because he told me that. Uh, it's almost like a, a little bit of like suntan lotion. This, and it kind of comes and goes. I've never tasted suntan lotion. I'm oh, brown. Really? Oh, well, I'm not. I'm white, so I, I've tasted all kinds of suntan lotion. No, it's brown people can still burn. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just takes a lot more. Yeah. It doesn't take me. It takes me about 15 minutes, and I'm like in the ER. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is good. I like this beer. I mean, for a you know, good old clear, I don't know if it's considered West Coast. I mean, it's got a little bit of bitterness to it, and it's clear, you know. It's a good one. I like it. It doesn't look like a... It doesn't look like milk, hot milk. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't look hazy. All right. Well, let's get to, we, we got to get to our community topics, John. All right. You want to do the review? I'm not going to name names of the review. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm just going to read the reviews. Really? Because yeah. I think some people like, I mean, that's, they like the recognition. Yeah. But I wonder if, if, if we, since we do read them, if that discourages people from doing it. I don't like, think so. I don't people to no, read it. I think they're, they're, they're putting it, they're putting it out there publicly. All right. Okay. And half the time, it's uh, some kind of alias anyway, so. That's true. How long has it been since we had a review? Months. It's really sad. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? It's like a year. No, it's not. We've had we've had one or two at the beginning of the year. It was in January. We did a big six pu- months we ago. We did a big push in December asking for reviews, and uh, we got a bunch in, not a bunch, but one or two in January. Yeah. That's a bunch to us, one or two. It, it really is. I really like reviews because it's, again, I, I've said this, it's like, because we don't, you know, the, we don't. We don't. We don't. I want the we bad don't, reviews, want the bad reviews like, complaining about Jeremy. Just you know, if, if, listen. I'll, I'll just say this. I mean, if there's, if, if you want, if you like, if you like, if you listen to the show and you like it at all, or like you like the community, this is like one way you can just say, hey, thanks. And by the way, you don't even have to type any words in. Just go into iTunes or whatever it is and just click the stars. You don't have to say any words if you don't want to. But the words are nice. If you want to do the words, I can't read stars though. You can. You can say, hey, we got a. Two-star review from someone who was pissed off at us. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to do it. Because I interrupt you too much. I kind of enjoyed the dramatic reading, so I could, if someone wants to get creative, I can do True. another one of those. I actually, this from, I actually think that people should request that John read this in a certain voice, a certain accent. 
Maybe like a drunk. If you're drunk when you write the review, we can get John to read it drunk. When am I not drunk? No, not you. Oh. If the person leaving the review, if they were drunk, then oh. you can say, hey, uh, read this in a drunk voice. Okay. Or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm British. Read this in your best, you know, Cockney accent or whatever, where you're from. What, what are the, uh, what's, what's that accent from? We're never going to get to this review. Okay, well, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Maxwell Tatum, I think is how you pronounce that. It's all one word, so. Uh, Demi- uh, should I say where they're from? Sure. Uh, so this one's from the Dominican Republic. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's, that's our one that Dominican. That international. It, it, that, yeah. that in and of itself right there makes us international. We're internationally famous, John. Internationally known. That's, that's a rap <laughs> lyric from somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. Rob Bass? I don't know. Something like that. I'm on the microphone. I'm internationally known. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got John <laughs> rapping. All right. He says, the beer theme side topics take a bit to get used to. Yeah, they do. Jeremy goes on and on about beer. But once I try, do, to, I try to limit it because we've had we've had complaints. Some people love it, some people hate it. Whatever. But once you do, they serve as a very good palate cleanser. Solid up-to-date inf- info and insights on the Salesforce platform with a nice sprinkle of general dev and dev cultural topics. Slack community is definitely the cherry on the top. It makes the podcast experience ten times better. Wow, I agree about the the community aspect. Yeah, yeah. I like the Slack. Yeah, everyone. It's helps not. Me it's out not the, and it's not the Slack per se. That's just the that's an implementation detail. It's the community. Because if like we decided that you know okay Slack sucks or they've started charging too much money or whatever like we could, we'd go somewhere else. Yeah. It's just the tool we use. It's just nice because everyone uses Slack, so it's always up. Like it's I use really. it for work. So you use it Slack. for work. Most people I think that are on Slack daily is because they use it for work, and so they just have our channel up. All right. All right. So this is well, a, this for, is a long-standing community topic. Oh well, thanks. Well, for, yeah, no, thanks, thanks for the review. I mean that's. Those are very nice to get those. They, they're very, they're so rare. They're almost like a Christmas present now. They are. <laughs> yeah, Rick here to, I know. Yeah. to add a review for Rick, us. Rick, you got to go leave us a review just, to that. Just on iTunes, okay? for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw them live in a person. They were awesome. Yeah. They rocked. The pyrotechnics were awesome. We're going to get a review. It's like, who's this Rick guy that you guys keep talking to? <laughs> All right, so this one's from, uh, yeah, we can use the name, uh, Leo Alves. Uh, he said, he asked us, well, he asked Come us on. A, on some Al- time ago. Alves. 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 He, you know, he's not confirmed or corrected our pronunciation, or my pronunciation, I guess. I want to say One Leo thing for certain Alves. is I'm going to mispronounce people's names. Okay. Because it's just what I do. All right. Uh, do you have any experience, war stories on implementing DDD, so domain-driven design in Salesforce? Do you even think it's possible to do it in a platform that is so opinionated? Before you start going off on your rant, I'm going to say no. I, I don't like DDD in Salesforce. I, I'm going to shock everyone. You ready? <laughs> I completely disagree with you. <laughs> all right, go. So first of all, <laughs> you know, you can, you can do... DDD on any kind of platform. Uh, I've been doing this long enough. I know. <laughs> object-oriented languages, functional languages, whatever Apex you can, is. But quasi, at some point it just quasi, doesn't make sense. No, it does the make framework sense. In the, there's in the platform there's that you're no, on. it does. There are it does not. John, I will whether it's u, the, whether it's ubiquitous language, whether it's bounded contexts. So many of these DDD concepts can work the concepts fine. are great no, no, and they're, can, they're you can, great in small pieces you can apply these these concepts and these principles to salesforce development i think you can in small pieces i, I don't think you're gonna I'm be able to saying go there's full... i'm not saying it's a pure perfect implementation no, 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 i'm not saying that either what I'm, I'm saying is that when people think about domain-driven design they think about encapsulating their entire code base in this domain-driven design methodology 
which means everything has its DTOs and it's and it's and it's got these abstraction layers and it's got all its interfaces and that uh, code base ends that, up that's, so big. That's that's more like that's more like a Martin Fowler pat, uh, patterns of enterprise. Yeah, I, I'm crossing the line. So, over, I'm, cro- I'm and, crossing the streams over to enterprise because I've never really been and, a big proponent of DDD. But have I, you I, have you read the Eric Evans book? No. Okay. I mean, so I was. For people who haven't, I mean, I actually think it's worth reading. There's also a, a book I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's more it's a more practical like how do you like how do you actually do DDD on the ground, you know, like in real life. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but so what's a good way in Salesforce to abstract to create your segments for your DDD? I mean, even, I mean, what's what's even, your what's even your just the practice of when your when your developers are talking with your architects and your and your you and your business people and your users, the making sure that you guys are are coming up with a design and concepts, right? The, the concepts that transcend code and and the actual uh, what do you call it? what do you call them? Um, SMEs, SMEs, John. SMEs from s- subject matter experts. So from your subject matter experts to your to your developers, like you know concepts and language that spans these whole things and i know this is kind of a reductive description of ddd i'm not going to do any kind of justice to it here so user but stories to and personas one, to me that's one of the most important parts of ddd is that consistent and the ubiquitous language right that we find a way to implement this in a way that your smees can look at the code and, and literally say like oh yeah i actually can tell what that's doing you're, you're, you're using all the right concepts and your developer said well you're calling it this, and you've got these three different things. Is there, you know, we've got this limitation of this language we're using. Can we somehow, is there a way we can group these two things together and come up with like a compound idea? And the, and the somebody's like, oh yeah, we, we do this enough. It's called a blah, blah, blah. Oh, cool. Well, let's let's use that. It's it's, it's just these different That's people. such a fantasy. No, it's not a fantasy. It works. There's so many things that cross lines that people have a hard time drawing that line to saying, okay, this is. It's not perfect, John. I'm not saying. I know it's not You're perfect. not going to end up with some perfect thing that like, that, but it's. But I you know, can but get really far, and you'll end up with a much better solution as I think a result. It leads of it. to more meetings, more conversations, and it takes a lot of times for, to get stuff done, especially in this in this platform. It's make a decision and go. I okay. <laughs> Just I, I would love to be able to kind of draw the lines and say this is our bucket, this is our domain, and and to take that and put that into code because honestly, that would make things naming things easier for, first of all, and it would make the inter, the interface layers easier to define. Yeah, but it's just never that clean and cut. I know, I know. But also, I mean, like, I mean, you haven't read the book, so I can't. No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I gotta go read the and book. And I now. can't, like I said, I can't do it justice. It's worth reading. I mean, honestly, anything Eric Evans writes is worth reading. I highly recommend that book. I want to hear feedback from our listeners to who they agree with. I know. Well, <laughs> you should join the Slack then, Rick, if you want to see Hold the on, feedback. They can't hear you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We used anyway, to carry a third mic. We should do that again. So we're, we're running short on time, probably. But um, let's just leave it that I, in my opinion, yes, you absolutely can do a lot of DDD. You can apply a lot of DDD concepts to Salesforce. There's no reason you can't. I agree. I mean, there's no reason you can't. Oh, you I agree just, with me now. What the no, no, hell no, no, just no, happened? No, no, no. I, uh, <laughs> no, I agree that you can. I just don't agree that it's a good idea to. I just don't think it's going to work out. So do, so you're, so instead of ubiquitous language, you prefer inconsistent language? Endorsement. No. I just think engineers should make the decisions, and they should build to the spec and to the requirement, wow. and testers should test. Wow! I don't think your your subject matter matter experts are going to be sitting there reading code and looking through that code or anything like that. It's no, just they not, don't. That would you're you're oh, you, God, you're using such a straw man against me. Here, but I am, whatever. But that's all I got right now because I didn't huh? read the book. Oh, you are. You're gonna, 
it's good. Yeah, it is. I'm gonna read that book so I can argue this better. But you I should. Just, I just I I have not latched onto that idea, and I just I just don't see it. Okay. I, I, again, I get again, to see. I, I, get again, to see I, I don't feel like you can. I don't feel like you can really say that without reading. You, you you can't. It's not fair for you to say that without actually reading the book. No, it's very fair. That's the world we live in. Well, that's true. It's a millennial culture yeah. right there. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm embracing the jab, future. A jab at the millennials <laughs> from John. Wow. I don't like millennials. Yeah, whatever. I don't like the stereotypical now you, millennials. Now you're kissing ass. I, I should, you're trying to. I now you're just trying to backtrack. No, I'm being. I'm clarifying millennials. I don't <laughs> yes, like. yes. Like if you're a millennial you're, you're and walking, you're grounded, and is, you're, you're, you've got logic yeah. behind you. You're all right. In so my John's book. doing what we call walking back a statement. <laughs> I, okay. I got to practice for my politician days. Yes, when I'm well, an old man and I decided of, to run for office, you know, <laughs> you a lot of practicing to do, sir. <laughs> you're already there. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you're so. All right, what's next? We got another. We got a new. Uh, we got a late breaking. Uh, Piece of input. Yeah, right? I'm going to have to paraphrase this because this is a book. Um, really? I'm going to take the time to write all that. And you want me to read it all? I didn't read it. I didn't read it, so I don't know what's in it. I, it literally came in right, right as I got here. I got to get ready to read. <clears throat> I mean, you don't have to. I got to loosen up the tongue because right now it's a little numb. I, I, listen, why don't you go ahead and paraphrase? <laughs> all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to okay. read it as fast as I can. You absorb as fast as you can. I'll try to break when we want to make points. Okay. Uh, this is from, uh, he says you can use the name, okay. Yep. Uh, this is from Arnold Brown. He says, it's kind of a big topic around managing triggers in your own org when you have multiple managed packages installed. Ooh, this is tough. It is. As I know many people on the Slack channel and the, well, okay, so he posted this on Slack, so he's posting it to us sure. as Slack option. As I know many people on the Slack channel and in the honest work for ISV partners, I imagine there will be a lot of strong opinions on this one. Uh, as background, I'm an admin who drank the Kool-Aid and learned to write trigger code fairly well, mm, I, th I think. And for a while, I thought I might follow the death path. Then came lightning component work for our SF community, and I realized being an admin with a good understanding of Apex is good enough. That's fine. This works. I could have killed myself to continue leveling up, but, but never had the skills of a full-stack developer with experience coding in pla multiple platforms. Better to be really good at what I do than to struggle at ad infinitum. infinitum. you got to give me big words yeah. when I'm drinking. Infinitum. Inf ad infinitum. In no, infinitum. 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 But it's all it about the. It depends on where, which, yeah, where you put the emphasis on the syllable. In the syllable. <laughs> uh, That's a British pronunciation, by the way. Syllable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm a, I like, I want to be a, I, I wish I was born a Brit, but in America. <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> it continues so much respect to you as developers and podcasters. That's the beer talking. Uh, to the point, I started a new role at a company which is having issues around CPU timeouts and record locks with various integrations. Yeah, we've been there. Uh, I immediately looked at the trigger situation, hoping there'd be low-hanging fruit in the form of multiple triggers on the same object and found on the, um, on the same object. I'm going to pause there because I don't know that I would have started with triggers. I probably would have started with workflow, process builder, flows. That's where I see most of the issues when it comes to system automation. Triggers, yes, because there's a lot of bad triggers. Yeah. But when it comes to ISV packages, they tend to run in their own context. They have their own limits. So they're, in essence, mostly isolated from everything else. I think they can still deadlock, though. They can still deadlock. Yeah. And I, I'm not positive on the CPU stuff. They might still... I think they have their own CPU they, time. They do get additional time, yes. So, I think. Um, let's see. Where do I leave off? Uh, so he, he says, uh, on the lead object, you found, for instance, 11 triggers, 10 of which are from managed packages. 
Um, so our devs have done a good job, uh, best they could, whether the lines are one trigger. Uh, I'm going to start paraphrasing a little bit. But essentially, um, he went to a user group meeting, asked their opinion on stuff, which is awesome. Basically, if you're running into some of these issues, engage the community. That's what we're here for. Go to our Slack channel, go to your local user group. That's the perfect thing to do. Um, they happen to have a CTA there at one of the user groups. And uh, his story was that... I'm going to pause. Thanks. <laughs> his story was that um, some of the advice he'd gotten was that on one of the packages that this particular CTA had interacted with and was having similar issues was that they were able to that vendor was able to kind of give them the hooks they needed so that they could essentially disable the managed package yeah. triggers and include that, that automation into their own triggers, essentially bringing it down to a single trigger, which is what we're all trying to get to. Um, uh, so he goes on to say that with that information, she was able to deactivate managed package triggers and callouts and triggers. Uh, uh, as long as the managed package is in the org, the APIs classes and their methods and their calling is, is that uh, okay. I'm going to stop paraphrasing because I'm butchering this. With that info, she was able to deactivate managed package triggers and simply add those calls to their internal org into the internal trigger from within their correct context, respectively. Uh, he goes on to say, I never would have thought this, but seems brilliant and game-changing. As long as the managed package is in the org, the Apex classes and their methods are there for the calling. Is that correct? Um, I'm going to pause there for that question. I'm going to say that's incorrect. Yeah. Um, it's not really a good practice to start calling. I mean... The only reason you're able to call it is because it's listed as a global class, wherever that right. method is, yep. which is the vendor saying, we want this global, we want other people to be able to call these methods. But the danger for an ISV in doing that is that now we've created a dependency. We've created an interface that says, yes, you can do this, and now we have a lot more work to kind of manage how we change that potentially in the future, how we deprecate that in the future, how we version it in the future. Yeah. It just creates a lot of headaches. So you're not going to find a lot of ISVs that are going to put a lot of stuff in the global context. Yeah, and mm, there's, there's a whole inversion of control possibility here too, and it's kind of hard to explain after a few beers in a bar, but um, I will point people to because there's any number of like trigger frameworks that people in the community have come up with, right? And and you know they've all got varying levels of I think uh, merit. But in particular, because uh, I do a lot of work in this uh, higher ed and nonprofit space, but uh, the Salesforce uh, Salesforce.org produces a package called now it's called EDA, I guess. Education data architecture, and it's a managed package, and it's it's a managed package that's catered to uh, educational organizations. So you know, secondary, post secondary schools, higher ed, you know, just you got students and classes and teachers and all you know all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of triggers, um, but they also um, the way they've implemented all their triggers is using something they call TDTM trigger, or sorry, table-driven trigger management. And so they have this, there's a global interface that all of their essentially triggered code implements. Mm -hmm. um, but at runtime, there's like a, this kind of master trigger on like all relevant objects. Okay? And what it does is it it queries a custom object, which is this table of triggers. And you can put a record in for every trigger there is. And of course they ship out of the box, like all their triggers and this is a record for each one of them, this custom object. And it's like, 
what object you're triggering on, what the, what's the class name that you want us to call. Of course, your class has to implement this global interface they publish. Yep. And then you know, they want to know, like, do you want before insert, before update, after, whatever, you, you specify that in this record. And so if you're going to use this EDA package, uh, really the best way to do it is to play along with them because if not, you're going to run into trouble. So because if you... If you want to, if you want to trigger on, you know, whether it's accounts or contacts or, or classes and programs and students, all these things, it's best just to implement EDA's this global trigger handler interface in, in one of your Apex classes, and then you just register it as a record of this custom object, and you can even specify one of the things in, the, in this in this record is the order. So if you've got like you know ten classes that want to be triggered when a student's created, you can specify the order they run in. So it's a and you dependency also, injection kind of thing? Um, it's not dependency injection. It's it's inversion of control. So instead of... Because what this person just described was... He... he it was a he, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was yeah. He's calling into... The, 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 this managed package made their stuff global so he can call them when they want to. The way right. the, the way EDA works in this table-driven trigger management is you implement... You create classes that implement this trigger handler interface. You register your your trigger handler as a, as a record in this custom object, and it calls you. It's like, you know, don't, you know, I'm not gonna call you, you call me. And so their master kind of trigger, global trigger handler, it looks at all these things that are registered when, you know, that want to be called when an account's created, and they know, uh, you know, whether each one of those is, is a before insert, an after update, or all whatever, and there's also an order to all those. And they can also be individually disabled, you know, whether it's active or not. It's a lot of engineering. I mean, it, I'm, it actually I'm, is, I'm, and it. I'm glad it exists, especially for this package. But it's actually fairly well done, and and it, yeah, it there's some overhead there. But I mean, you get a lot out of it. I mean, because if honestly, if if they hadn't done that, it would have created probably some pretty intractable problems. And I have run into problems, a lot of problems with these EDA triggers, but they're tractable because I can play in. I can play along with their system mm-hmm. and I can solve all these problems. It's kind of an interesting concept. I mean, it, from from an ISV perspective, I'm hearing all that engineering that has to be done to accommodate that and going, crap, that's a lot to build before I can actually get to building features or it's, fixing it's actually bugs. actually not that much. I mean, like you implement an interface with one method. You know, it's like, it's not too it's bad. It, it's no different than any other really simpler, simple trigger handler. I guess if you kept, of, kept it at a very simple perspective, I guess that wouldn't be too bad. It's really not, honestly. I mean, from an implementation standpoint? From yeah, your side it, of things yeah, or from you, their side no, of things? No, from my side of things. When I want to, like... Right, from your side of yeah. things. I'm talking about their side of things is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's already implemented. It's, 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 it's in GitHub. It's managed. It's, you know, they, they respond to issues. They'll fix bugs. If someone oh, so bugs. it's something you can... You could submit a PR if you, find, if you fix a bug. You know, it's like, you know, it's... So it's an open source thing you can it's potentially source. use mm-hmm. and complete. Okay, I see. But it's saying. by far best to use it as a managed package. If you want something you want to fix, submit a, you know, either submit an issue and let them fix it, or or submit an issue and submit and give them a pull request too with the fix. But it's it's pretty high quality. It's not like there's, I mean, of course all software has bugs, but it's not like there's there's these, all these glaring holes. It's it's pretty solid at this point. I mean, they've been do, they've been using this for years, and we've got some guys in our community that that work on this as well. So. It's it's funny you say this because now that I'm on this other side of the, the fence, I I'm starting to see the the benefit of having some kind of MPA type NPM type management package management 
there, there's a glaring need for yeah. for basically like for a it's a the problem is it's a, it's a dependency management system that we don't have right now. That's what I'm seeing is the issue. It's not so much ha- having access to packages and keeping them up to date. It's just it's managing the dependencies. Yeah. I mean, no, I've, and, I've, and the way in, people in, in the, the way people manage dependencies is they just they copy and paste classes into their org from from a from a GitHub repository or something. Yeah. Just, and it's it's just it's kind of a mess right now. I guarantee you, Salesforce is working on this. There are people within Salesforce, probably in this in this second generation packaging group, that are looking at this. I don't know how far they're going to be able to get on this, or get with this, or you know, if they. I don't know how far they're trying to go with it, or what their limitations are, what's realistic. But I guarantee you, they're looking at this because this is a this is a huge problem. I mean, this is Salesforce is like the only space that I do any work in that, I mean, probably anyone who's doing any kind of mainstream development does any work in where dependency management is not even a remotely solved problem yet. It's not even remotely solved in Salesforce right now. Yeah. Yeah, so, so coming, popping the stack and coming back to, well, it's not really popping the stack, but coming back to this, this I, I, think, I think one of the, in, in the next paragraph, which I'm going to try to paraphrase here, uh, one of the things he he sees as being a benefit to being able to, for vendors to kind of allow these kind of, kind of hooks, whether it's through the, the package you discussed or at least just kind of implementing some kind of hook system where you can plug it in and get down to a point where you can include their automation in with your automation in a succinct manner. You can control the order of operations of all that. Um, that it would somehow solve a lot of these CPU timeout and record lock issues that are occurring today. I, I think it's more nuanced than that. I, it, it's I, not going to necessarily make that problem magically go away. It'll just it'll it'll prevent a layer of problems that you'd have to deal with before you even get to those problems. I, th- I think what it's going to end up taking is either a whole new somehow triggering framework from Salesforce, a that kind of abstracts everyone from all of this. It, honestly, I mean, it, it kind of would be nice if there were a. It would. I mean, almost a, like a, a universal. Almost like some kind of because right now it's a wild west, and and the problem yeah. is, is like you need all these managed packages, and there's nothing you can this, do. But it's almost you like can... you would need some kind of registry where you would you do. register no, you do. your trigger as the managed yep. package. You register your trigger as or your your piece of automation. And John, this this all I mean, I just want to interrupt to say this all goes back to trigger driven development is the freaking worst idea Salesforce has ever come up with. It's, well, it was it was, it's a, just it was an analog it's responding. to responding. It's just like to I mean, it's pretty much what it was. But it became this yeah. this whole automation framework that we've all kind of depended on because in, in well, anything in Salesforce we want to be able to automate things. That's what we that's what we're writing all this yeah. back end code well, for. Well, I mean, Salesforce is trying to back in. They're trying to back their story in. But I mean, Apex was created as a as a database triggering language. That's right. what it was a database triggering language. Right. And that's what it is. And that was their vision at the time. It was just. And as much as like I remember Mark Benioff in, like in the early two thousands talking about how Salesforce and it was not even true. But he was, he, of course, <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? He, but he would talk about how Salesforce is a platform to build stuff on. You couldn't build anything on Salesforce. I mean, it was, I don't think it had custom objects yet. You could build it Salesforce had custom fields, Salesforce. no custom objects. Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, so his, his rhetoric or his vision has always been ahead of, it's always ahead of what the actual reality is. And, and you have to be able to read through the lines there. Um, but I don't know, this is one of those things where, They're now trying. When, when again, when Apex was created, it was like it was as as this database triggering language, and now they're saying no, it's not that. It's it's a it's a full blown 
platform as a service. It's a, it's a, what, you know, it's a PaaS. It's a, it's a low code development platform or all this stuff. It's like, well, okay, you're, you're backing your story into that, but that's not really what it Crossing is, which is why, there. which is why we're dealing with yeah. all the artifacts of, of the history of this platform. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I think if I think about the way to solve this, it's, it's today, there's really no good way to solve it. It's, Implementing some kind of package, like you mentioned, or just just dealing with it and managing it as best you can. Maybe yeah. maybe looking at platform events to kind of pull yourself out of that transaction and into a whole new context where you have you know better limits and you can do whatever you want, that kind of stuff. But I mean, ultimately, I think the story needs to get better on the Salesforce side in terms of how we implement certain types of automation. It's not enough to say that this namespace has isolated limits. I think there's there's got to be a better story around when things fire. Yeah. Because even with a managed package, take FSL, for example, or even, no, 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 Financial Service Cloud, because it had... FSC. FSC. It might have gotten better, but as of uh, six months ago when I last worked with it, it was really hard to bypass their automation. They, they started adding hooks where you can turn things off and on. You can start calling their methods in your own methods, the same story that we're talking about here. But controlling the order of operation thing of things and everything was just still really difficult because you're still dealing with batch jobs that go and pull things out of a context that run things and are updating other things, but those other things are still firing off triggers. And there's no good way to control it, no. whether or not my code runs first or their code runs first. And sometimes I need my code because I need to modify that record before Maybe, they see it. Is that why you're so obsessed with my code? Because of I think it's trigger-driven development. This has driven you to this, to this psychologically... <laughs> uh, unsafe place you're in. No, I came out of the womb saying my code. (laughs) Uh, It's always been my code. Uh, This is hard. Ever since Q Fighter. I know what that is. Yeah, you do. I've told that story before. It's my first... Okay, so after a battery change. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I had batteries. (laughs) Um... Or worry. Oh gosh, I don't know. We're waxing on trade. Yeah, you're talking about your Q, your Q something framework. Q fighter, yeah, Q fighter. Q fighter. That's what I called it. Yeah, a little Q basic program I wrote, <laughs> oh, doing God. some some animation. I had a little intro animation. I thought I was going to write a little fighting game. And it was like a line ten print John space space space. No, it was using line, line twenty. Draw go line. To line 10. Draw line in offsets, which was really hard for me at the time because I'm not strong, the strongest in math. But you had to do all the math of drawing a point and then a line and then offsetting from that. Yeah. And to draw a stick figure that did a little Hadouken <laughs> that then drew a line and explosion and then had Q Fighter on oh, wow. the underline from the explosion. It was, it was actually pretty cool. I was pretty proud of it. Yeah, I called it Q Fighter. Yeah. Not quite um, what was Benioff's game he supposedly developed. <laughs> <laughs> Castlevania or something. Or <laughs> well, I, was, I was young and experimenting with a hand-me-down. I think it was a 286? Whatever basic was on. I think basic. I started basic on like an. I started basic on. 386, maybe. A non Intel platform. Oh. No, Nintendo. What was it? uh, Was that a Tandy? The XE. The XE. Was it Nintendo? I can't remember. My stepbrother had a Tandy. I remember messing with that. And then I got an 8088. Had a book. Did you ever have an 8088? No. I never had anything. I just lucked into computers here and there. Yeah, that's what I did too. Yeah. Hey, uh, fell off the back of a truck, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the real issue is that we got to solve this order of operation issue. we got to solve... I, I think, I think you know, managed packages kind of solves for the, the, the limit issue for the most part. It's just, it's still an order of operation issue. For yeah, and I, and I know I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... 
I, the thing is, I feel like Salesforce's engineering, they've always had to deal with like responding to promises that are made by management um, <laughs> in a way. But also, they're, they're also dealing with a problem that I don't know if anyone solved really well, which is how do you take s- different software packages from, and I mean like, I don't mean just like some library, I mean like full-blown like actually running software from different organizations that have no knowledge of each other and dump them into this container, a, 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 a new runtime container called an org here, and expect it all to, and they're all, they're all tying into the same entities and events and things, and expect everything to go well. Like that's a problem. It's that, been done. That's a. I don't. I, I actually. I mean. I, I. You want an example? Sure. I'd love an example. Windows and the registry. And what a kludge that is. Okay, I, 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 sorry, I, I should have finished my sentence. I meant solved well. No one, I don't think anyone solved no, that it's well. it's not been solved well. But that's essentially what you're describing. You're describing Windows and the registry, which was, it was an attempt at some kind of data storage yeah. caching system that would exist across applications. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm, I, I don't even have a proposed design on how it would solve that well. I just know that I would come at it from an angle other than triggers. I would come at it from more of a plug-in angle than a trigger angle, that database trigger angle. Because tr- with triggers, you're just, it, just the whole, I mean, simply the mental model alone, you're responding to not only events that are already in flight, like people have already started saving things yeah. or making database DML statements that like, it's already on its way to the database. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you've kind of already in a way missed out. But you but could, that, you could be in a recursive, multi-layer stack of changes that have happened. And just to, again, the, the mental model of just dealing with that is something that humans can't do. This is not a good way, this is not a good programming model. It's not a well, good it, programming model. Well, even Salesforce has punted on that. I mean, you get, what, two refires and that's it on trigger logic? Oh, no, a lot more than that. I mean, it's, no, no, it's no, only... It, like, it should only repeat twice, I think. No, no, no. Oh, and more, it can repeat much more than that. Your, your it limits, used to the, your, the original no, beta no, no. implementation no, no, no. would put you in a, in a recursive what, what limits, loop. What limits can you, you can hit? Obviously, CPU time. It's limits. not a limit. You can it's just hit. it will only refire on, on the same object twice, I believe. I I'm on record saying it's there's actually not a there's probably a stack limit, but it's there's, there's probably a stack depth limit. I'm sure there is. Oh, right? no, you can you can you can cause but, other things to fire that would fire other triggers. But, yes. uh, you're saying that you, on you, can only, object, you can only like uh, you, can, do, you can only manipulate it once, and then it's only going to refire once more after that. Yeah, I disagree with that. Really? Yep. I'm pretty sure it was only two. All right, someone will they'll correct us. We'll have to follow up on that. That's what the Slack channel's for. That is what the Slack channel's for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, what else do we have? Um, that's it for community. Okay. Um, if you want to start wrapping it up, we can. I mean, I had some other rants I wanted to get to, but kind yeah. of a couple of beers in, and I'm yeah. not sure how. Me too. We've been here a while. We've already gone through a set of batteries. Yeah. I know you're, we got to be on bladder level orange by now. Uh, no, actually, I'm okay. Are you? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That, that can change at a drop of a, <laughs> I don't know, on a moment's notice. Well, I, I went right before. So. That's true. You did. I was proud of you. Yeah. yeah. Did I get a sticker? <laughs> I think I'm going to find a sticker for you. I don't know. I'll, get you, I'll give you some chips. How about that? All right. That works. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about the Slack. Seriously, if you're not in, uh, you really should join. I mean, there's, I know. There's probably, uh, I would say, I don't know, a third, th- maybe a third of the listeners are in the Slack. There's a lot of you who are listening who could, who could I think, benefit, and uh, it's, it's worth just at least checking out. So do that if you haven't already. Uh, if you would like to send us topics, you do that at info at com. 
Uh, by default, we will not use your name because we are uh, pretty protective of everyone's privacy. If you're okay with us using your name, just uh, mention that in the in the email. Uh, you can also just DM us in Slack. That's that happened today, right? That um, works too. Yeah, who did that today? Arnold did that. Oh, it's happened multiple that times. That works. Yeah, it's like whatever. We're we're flexible. What else? Um, the reviews. We because you know, obviously we really like the reviews, and if uh, even if you don't want to, don't have anything to say per se, you can just click the stars. Give us the stars. That comes in as a, I mean, it, it's like a review. I mean, it counts towards our star rating and all that kind of stuff. And it does know. count. I don't get a notification of it, but yeah. So we appreciate all that. What else? What am I leaving out? Uh, Slack, like us Anything on the socials. Uh, n- no real events yeah. coming you're, up. I, I think Dreamforce is yeah, open Dreamforce is, yeah. now. Yeah. Call for speakers or something. I, like I was that actually thinking open. about going just because. Uh, I know, but I'm like the dates have already been announced, and I'm sure. I mean, if you don't jump on hotels immediately, you're screwed. I know. And so I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I I'm in a different world now. I'm. I just I don't like the people. I don't like the people. <laughs> Damn Salesforce people. No, it's not. It's not the people. People. It's the amount of people. It's the yeah, number of yeah, people. I, I don't like being around that many people. I know, I'm very. I'm very claustrophobic. It's not. It's not a good scene it's for too me. Too much. It is too much. That's okay. I mean, I mean, if you got the full sidewalk, you can hop over a few poops here and there. But when everyone's crammed in, you're just going yeah. through the poop. And that's okay. You're I mean, like us it. staying home makes room for people who want to go more than us, yeah. who need to go more than us. And that's fine. It, that's it, the way it works. I've always said it. Dreamforce is, is a sales event. It's, it is. It's yes. marketing, sales. It, it's a, John, it's a revival. It's a retreat and a revival. It's, a, it's like a religious re- revival. Doesn't you Tony go, Robbins go every you year? Get, that's I mean, why he's there doing know, a talk every year. I mean, what's Benny say? Aloha! We're here to pump you up! You know, it's like, that's what it is. I mean, that's... <laughs> I, wish, I don't have my soundboard active because we're... All, it's all about motivation and everything. Today, yeah. Motivate you to buy those is. licenses. Hey, we're here to motivate you, to inspire you, to... Yeah. He, you know, he always says that kind of stuff. No, the, that's what the real nice. reason I don't go anymore is because there's no more booth babes. That's the only reason I ever went. So yeah, those are uh, not PC anymore, no, John. No, no, no booth babes, no John. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a time I see. Have, have you been tracking any titles, John? No. <laughs> None at all. That's not making a title. Oh, it was I'm, just a I'm joke. Sure. I'm, it's a prime candidate, as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it's a joke. Yeah, that's fine. Jokes can be titles. Just, just meant to be funny. <laughs> okay. An attempt at it. Right, you're yet another. Uh, Walking back of a statement. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Well, uh, it's been it's been fun, man. The beers have been good. It's yeah. been uh, we've almost had this place to ourselves for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's always been, nice. It's been great. That, uh, I would love to figure out how to do this live. I think that might be fun. A remote live. live. I mean, you're, I don't. You're dependent on people's internet connections, and I, I don't know. Uh, we're just saying, like the, the big live old, thing the is just not a hit. Channel. It's not a hit, John. Like, I mean, it's just people. People are busy. Like, that's what you got to understand about. I think our this community is everyone's. This is not like a bunch of slackers who just no, don't you have anything to don't do. Understand right what I these like people, about these are people who are busy. They're working. They don't, don't have understand. time to join live. No, the whole it, it defeats the purpose of a podcast, which is time shift uh, consumption of media. Yeah. Well, I just like it because someone else does the titles. That is nice, actually. <laughs> I don't yeah. have Brett to do the titles for us. I know. <laughs> I should just call him up and just like have him online when we do this. Yeah, they should. You just stream it directly to Brett. Yeah. Put him, uh, <laughs> put him on the payroll. That's right. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. We're negative. There's no payroll. <sighs> well, I, we pay in IOUs. We pay in to that. I say good day, <laughs> sir. <There> you, go. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.